Hey guys, it's Kelsey Ray, a reporter with the Colorado Independent. I'm here with reporter Corey Hutchins. Hey, Corey. Hey. Hey. And we're here to bring you the Indies' uh, first real foray into the world of audio with our first ever episode of what we hope to be a weekly podcast. Um, Corey, we, name, we don't have a name yet. We don't. We don't even have a name yet. We don't even have a name. This yet unnamed weekly podcast. Um, and we were thinking as we head into the weekend, we wanted to get together to talk about some of the stories we've written this week um, and to give you some perspective that maybe didn't make it into these stories. Uh, and this time we're talking about oil and gas. So, Corey, you want to start us off? Yeah, big week in oil and gas. I think we, we, we both wrote uh, enough about that this week for like the rest of the month. Uh, obviously, uh, in the aftermath of the... Uh, the home explosion that killed two people in Firestone, Colorado, late last month. Uh, oil and gas has kind of been at the top of everybody's uh, radar. And uh, so what, what um, you know, there are a lot of different storylines to follow on this. You, know, you, you did one, and we'll talk about that later. Mm -hmm. uh, but I was kind of focusing on a court case uh, brought by some teenagers, aided by some uh, attorneys who work with anti-fracking groups and environmental groups who, who brought a case against Colorado's Oil and Gas Conservation Commission, basically uh, trying to argue that the commission should take public health and safety more seriously than um, just balancing that against oil and gas development and production in Colorado. That, that uh, Correct me if you think I'm wrong in, in my characterization on this, but um, that you know, public health and public safety should come first and then, uh, you know, the, the state's oil and gas production should should be brought into the equation. Uh, and, you know, the Oil and Gas uh, Conservation Commission, which is a nine members, I think there's two vacancies, so seven members, uh, appointed by the governor, um, they kind of pushed back on that. And so the, um, the activists took it to, to court. Uh, a judge ruled against them. Uh, and then it went to the appeals court, and these these teenagers, they kind of got what they wanted. And, um, you know, the appeals court overturned the lower court's ruling. And I think the oil and gas industry didn't like that. The uh, commission didn't like that. And there was a big question about whether it was going to appeal, be appealed to the Supreme Court. And so all eyes were on the governor, um, Democrat, John Hickenlooper. What's he going to do? Does he have the authority, the sole authority to do this? He wouldn't tell us for, like, days. Mm -hmm. uh, he, he, he made it sound we like we were waiting on him to make the decision. Yeah, I mean, we were. And, and I'll tell you, that he said he was, you know, we asked, um, you know, our reporter, legislative reporter, Marianne Goodland, asked in a press conference, basically that question, do you think you have the sole authority to decide whether this goes to the Supreme Court or not? Um, and his answer was, I'll have a decision on May 18th. Um, so it was kind of, it seemed to us, as like maybe a default uh, confirmation that he felt like he had the sole authority, so we we're all kind of waiting for May 18th. In the meantime, I decided to check in with uh, four big-name Democrats who are running for governor uh, to see, you know, hey, what would you do if you were in his shoes? The governor's race is kind of heating up. Um, and so I talked with uh, former state treasurer Kerry Kennedy, who, who told me she was the only one to straight up say, look, if I were the governor, I would not appeal. I'd let that court ruling, that appeals court ruling stand. Um, Ed Perlmutter, he, he said he thought the new proposed rule was overly broad, uh, but he kind of danced around the question. He didn't answer the question about whether he could appeal or not. Um, Noel Ginsburg, he's the Intertex Plastic CEO, uh, he didn't really answer. You know, kind of gave one of the, these non 
answers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's in our story. You can look at it. And, and interestingly enough, Mike Johnson, who's a former state senator running for governor now, Democrat, he, he – and I'm glad we're getting to talk about this because this did not appear in my story. Um, and perhaps I should follow up on this. But at first he said something like uh, – he indicated that you know, appealing it wouldn't be a good idea, but kind of threw it onto Attorney General Cynthia Kaufman. Who's a Republican, mm-hmm. and um, said, you know, I don't know why she would even think about appealing this. And I was like getting ready, preparing my story. I was, all I needed was, you know, some last quotes. And I like got in touch to the campaign and kind of like pushed back a little bit and said, you know, I haven't seen. You know, I think I'd even reached out to the AG and I hadn't seen her on record saying anything about this. And and I got back to the governor's office and was like, you know, is the attorney general involved here? And I didn't really hear back. And so I, I kind of like. Did you think it was kind of a cop out? Campaign and said, I, I, I didn't know if it was just politics. Like, like she's a Republican, so let's throw it on her. So I kind of like got back to the, the Johnson campaign and was like, hey, you know, do you know if she's on record talking about wanting to appeal this? Because I haven't seen that anywhere. Um, and they kind of sent me back a, a different statement saying, like, I don't know why anybody would appeal this decision. And I said, oh, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll run with that. Um, that was days ago. And then, I think yesterday, the big news comes. The governor has his announcement. He's going to decide. Or gonna, we think he's going to decide what he's going to do. And instead, the governor puts out a statement that says, we don't want to appeal this decision. But the attorney general, Cynthia Kaufman, she has a different idea, and she wants to appeal it. We don't want her to. We think we have the authority, and she doesn't. But she's going to go ahead and do it anyway. Huge bombshell, um, and thinking about it now, Mike Johnson's comments from his campaign seem rather prescient. Mm-hmm. So, does the governor have the authority? We don't know. He thinks he thinks he does. Okay, so that's like that's what's been coming out of his office um, for the past twenty-four hours. Uh, well. I shouldn't say there hasn't been much coming out of his office about this for the past 24 hours. Um, short statement, sticking to basically what the governor said in two or three sentences. And uh, I think we broke maybe some new ground in, in our story at The Independent uh, by kind of smoking out that the governor does not want to challenge this legally. And that just opens up a whole new round of questions, which we're probably going to get to next week in our coverage. Right. Yeah. Susan, our editor, Susan Green's working on a story now. Um, I'll give you just a little kind of characterization of that. We talked to an attorney from a group called Earth Justice. His name's Mike Freeman. Um, and he basically said that Hickenlooper, you know, if he, if he didn't want to appeal it, he sure hasn't used all the tools at his disposal to avoid the appeal. Um, in his mind, the attorney general can't bring a Supreme Court appeal on behalf of the Colorado Oil and Gas Conservation Commission, which is COGCC, by the way, we'll probably be saying that a lot, um, without their without the COGCC's consent. Um, and because the COGCC serves at Hickenlooper's pleasure, he could have and, you know, perhaps should have already asked them to to reconsider their vote. But that's something that a lot of sources are, are unsure about. They say that it's uh, not clear legally whether he does or doesn't have the power to overrule. Well, what, what is, I mean, how does this look for a governor who, uh, you know, is a Democrat in a in oil and gas state and who has a background in the oil and gas industry, is a former geologist, and, you know, close to, he's, he's always been seen as kind of a booster of 
um, the fracking industry, certainly no opponent of it. I mean, do in, environmentalists in Colorado who already kind of look at him kind of sideways, I mean, what are they saying about this? Um, kind of similar things to what Mike Friedman said, which is that if he really wanted to avoid this appeal, there are ways that he could have done that. He could have talked to the COGCC either before they took their vote or afterwards and asked them to, you know, remove their request for that appeal. So to them, it's, I mean, it it's sort a, of, go ahead. It could just be a full blown constitutional crisis. That's <laughs> Maybe that's what some want to see. Yeah. Oh boy. Um, yeah, but the, the COGCC has actually come under a lot of fire lately, uh, and this is something that I wrote about um, earlier this week in the aftermath of the Firestone explosion, is just that why, you know, the CO, people are saying the COGCC is not deciding to protect public health and safety as its first priority. Um, it's always been sort of conflicted by this dual mission to both promote oil and gas activity and to protect health and the environment. And I think in the way they see it and what they've said in their case is that that's kind of a 50-50 balance. And what I think a lot of people say is that 50-50 doesn't really work when it comes to protecting health and the environment. It's got to be the first step. You've got to say, we're going to protect this first. And then if so, then we can work on that development. Do you get a sense of, has the, the Colorado Oil and Gas Conservation Commission, I mean, it's been around since, what, like 1951 or mm -hmm. something. Is this, does this commission get a lot of public scrutiny? I mean, it sure as hell is getting a lot of public scrutiny now after this home explosion and all the questions that came out about this. I mean, one of the, we should talk about your big piece, your the big report that, that you spent the past week gone talking about just I mean you read that and you it's kind of mind-numbing how much we don't know about what's in the ground here and and how kind of is it regulated is it unregulated talk a little bit about what you learned yeah so in the aftermath of the fatal and tragic home explosion in Firestone um, which took two lives uh, a lot of people uh, that was found to be the fault of an oil and gas flow line that was running near a home that had never been properly abandoned. Uh, so when Anadarko restarted a well, some gas was leaking out of that and kind of into the soil surrounding the home and up into the basement. So that made a lot of people say, what are these flow lines and where are they and are they near my home? A lot of really worried, scared, angry people. And what the COGCC had to admit is that there is no map of this. We have statewide maps of every well that's currently in production and all of the uh, inactive wells that have been shut and abandoned, but there's no map showing where these flow lines are. Um, and actually, Representatives Mike Foote and Steve Lepsock pr uh, proposed a bill in the House that, that would require the mapping, but that failed. Uh, Republicans were against it, and the oil and gas industry uh, was very against that bill. So we remain without a map of these flow lines and no real plan to make them. Um, so just in the aftermath of all of this and kind of waiting for the investigation and realizing how much information is lacking, some of uh, the other reporters on our staff and I went into the COGCC database and said, where is the documentation of this old line? You know, what, where is the documentation showing when it was abandoned? And what we found was that there's just a historic and persistent uh, pattern here with the COGCC, which is that 
very slowly, gradually, we are enacting regulations meant to address sort of these health and safety concerns, but they never apply retroactively. So you pass a ruling in 2008, for example, we passed this major overhaul of CRGCC rules saying going forward, you have to report not only the well, but you have to report the tank battery site. This is a site that has the the tanks and the separators and just the pits, all the equipment associated with that well, which are often, you know, remain in use for years. Um, they say, okay, we've got to mark these and we have to take an inventory of all of this so that when you end up shutting that well down, we know that everything has been removed properly. That was passed in 2008, but it didn't apply to all of the wells that already existed. So, I mean, the lead of the story I wrote called Reckless Abandonment was that the CRGC- Great title, by the way. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Um, was that the COGCC has no record of the tank battery that this old line, the line that, you know, leaked the gas into the house, where it used to lead. Um, it was eventually, quote-unquote, abandoned. That's what they call the process of kind of shutting it down. Um, and it was severed. They don't know when. They don't know why. Um, but the bottom line is that it led to this tank battery site that was shut down in 2014. And even in 2014, you know, six years after they passed these new regulations, Operators didn't have to go through a process of saying we're removing X number of tanks and X number of pits and all this. It was just a year later, a year after that site was shut down, a COGCC inspector went out and said, okay, everything's gone. Um, actually, when I called the COGCC asking for proof that that site had existed, you know, I said, show me the documentation of this battery site. They led me into their mapping software and had me zoom in and look at the image. Which was, you know, interesting, sure. Like, okay, that's cool to see, but to uh, Earth. that wasn't quite the documentation I had in mind. Right. Well, that's all in your report, which is part of an ongoing series that um, you and uh, some other reporters are doing at the Colorado Independent called Fractured. Mm -hmm. um, that uh, obviously all this all this coverage we're talking about isn't the only thing that we have uh, been working on this week at ColoradoIndependent.com. We post several stories a day, so go to our website, check it out, and check back with our uh our pod we're gonna do this next week right yeah we'll this is fun next week yeah right. maybe I'm... we'll have a name maybe we'll have a name by then <laughs> we'll try to have a name by then all right thanks Corey. hey you bet talk to you soon bye bye